Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Picture this, it's Saturday morning and you're on your John Deere compact tractor. You're effortlessly breaking ground on your new landscaping project. Next, you're moving piles of rocks just by moving a lever. And now, you're enjoying the warmth of the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand everything you can do with a John Deere compact tractor, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Hey everyone, I'm Laura Adams, and this is the Money Girl Podcast, where my mission is to help you live rich and love the journey. If you're ready for more knowledge, resources, and motivation to manage your money the best ways possible, you are in the right place. Thanks for being here. I want to also say thank you for all the awesome five-star reviews that you guys have submitted in iTunes. Please keep them coming. They're really awesome to read. If you enjoy the show, that's really the best way to let me know. And it also lets other people know what the show is about and helps us keep some visibility in iTunes. And we have a lot of new subscribers listening to the show this year, and I'm really glad that you're here. If you're not aware, there are notes for each show, and the full archive of podcasts are located in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. At the end of today's episode, we have a special bonus tip from our friends at Penny Hoarder. They're going to talk about the best side gigs to earn more in 2018, kind of a cool topic. So be sure to stay tuned and don't miss that. Today's show is for anyone who pays taxes, and I would bet that's everybody listening to the sound of my voice right now. Tax reform is something that just happened, and this show is going to get you up to speed on all the changes regarding your personal finances. This is episode number 527 called Tax Reform Law. Seven Ways It Affects Your Personal Finances. We are just going to cover the personal side of it. We're not going to cover the corporate side. And I promise that I'm not going to throw out a bunch of tax jargon or lingo that's going to make your eyes glaze over or just fly right over your head. I'm going to explain it in a very simple, easy-to-follow way. So stick with me, and by the end of the show, you will know exactly what's going on with tax reform law. And so we'll start out by saying that this law is called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It became law on December 22, 2017. Most of the changes are starting in 2018, and some of them begin in 2019, and I'll tell you about those as we go. But the bottom line is that there's some pretty dramatic changes that are happening, and it will affect tax rates, the amount of expenses that we can deduct, and a major modification to healthcare. So as I said, I'm going to cover seven of the main ways that tax reform affects your personal finances. Understanding these changes now can help you prepare for the future. It will help you prepare your finances, help you avoid potential pitfalls, and I hope help you keep your tax liability as low as legally possible. 
So if you guys are ready, let's jump in. The first way that tax reform affects your personal finances are that income tax brackets and tax rates change. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act keeps the basic structure of our progressive income tax system, but modifies the brackets and rates. Don't worry, I'm going to explain all this tax jargon in plain English right now. So having a progressive income tax system means that higher amounts of income are taxed at higher rates. In practicality, that means you are not taxed at one rate unless your income is solely in the very bottom bracket, but it means you've got multiple tax rates applied to your income. Think about it sort of like a layered cake, and as your income goes up in these brackets or layers, each layer of that cake gets a different tax rate applied to it, and it is a progressively higher tax rate as you go up the layers of the cake. For example, under the old system, if you were single and you made $60,000, you would pay three different tax rates. The first, about $9,000 of income was taxed at 10%. Then the next, uh, about $30,000 was taxed at 15%. And then the last was taxed at 25%. So all those layers account for the full $60,000. Even though it would be common to say that you're in the 25% tax bracket, if this is your scenario, because that's where your income tops out, you don't pay 25% on all of your income. So that's just a little explainer on how this whole progressive taxation works. And what you need to know is that previously we had seven tax brackets or tiers of income, 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, and 39.6%. Those were the old rates. Under the new system, we still have this progressive layered system that I'm talking about, but what has changed is that the percentages on those brackets have changed slightly. So rates assigned to five of the seven tiers are slightly lower. So now under the new law, we still have seven tax brackets, but the rates assigned to them are a little different. They are 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 32%, 35%, and 37%. And the range of income assigned to some of the brackets has changed. For example, under the old system, a single taxpayer with $40,000 of taxable income topped out in the 25% tax bracket, and they'd end up paying about $5,700 in taxes. Well, under the new system, that person with the same amount of income would be in the 22% tax bracket, and they would pay about $4,700 in taxes, or $1,000 less. Many taxpayers will benefit from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, but some high earners are actually going to pay more tax. The IRS just released new tax withholding guidelines for employers so they can modify paychecks, and they're supposed to do this no later than February 15th, 2018. So if you're an employee, you should see a slight increase in your take-home pay by then. It's a really good idea to review those changes in your tax withholding carefully because if your employer is not doing it right and too little is taken out, you could end up having to pay more at tax time. And given all the new tax changes happening, which I'll be covering in this show, 
I definitely recommend that you review your withholding anyway, because you're probably not going to get as many allowances on your W-4 going forward as you did previously. And if you want more information about what a W-4 is and how to fill it out, I did a previous podcast, which was show number 490, called How to Fill Out a W-4 plus seven reasons to adjust your tax withholding. So if you want a primer on that, I would definitely recommend going back to show 490. Okay, let's move on. The second way that tax reform is going to change your personal finances is that the standard tax deduction increases. So the new tax law increases the standard deduction by a significant amount. And before I give you the numbers, let me explain. Deductions allow you to subtract certain expenses from your taxable income, which reduces your tax bill. So anytime you reduce the amount of income that you have to pay tax on, you're going to pay less tax. So that's a great thing. Even if you don't have any deductible expenses to decrease your taxable income, our tax system kind of throws you a bone just for breathing. It's called the standard deduction. You can claim a standard flat amount for your filing status, such as being single or married, with no questions asked. So basically, it's a kind of a freebie deduction that you get that reduces your taxable income down a bit which reduces your tax liability. And that is one option that every taxpayer has. You can do that. You can take the standard deduction or you have a second option, which is called itemizing your deductions. Itemizing means that you do that. You itemize them by adding up all of your deductible expenses and then you list them out on the tax form. Itemizing saves money when the total would exceed your standard deduction, but it's a lot more of a hassle because you have to prove that your expenses are legitimate. We have to know what those expenses are in the first place to to know to deduct them, and then you have to have the backup in order to prove that they're legitimate. It's definitely worth it if it exceeds your standard deduction because it will reduce your taxable income more, meaning that you pay a lower tax bill. Now, you can never claim both the standard deduction and itemized deductions in the same year, but you can alternate methods from year to year, depending on which option saves you the most. So what I recommend is that you run the numbers both ways every year to see which option gives you that bigger deduction and then do the thing that's most advantageous to you. Here are the new standard deductions under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act by tax filing status. If you file taxes as a single person, the standard deduction now is $12,000. That's up pretty significantly from before when it was $6,500. If you're head of household, the standard deduction is now $18,000. That's up from $9,550. And if you're married filing joint taxes, Your deduction is now $24,000 as a couple, and that's up from $13,000 previously. So you can see that these amounts almost double. And as you can imagine, because you're getting a much higher standard deduction, 
that's going to make it more likely that fewer people will want to itemize. The standard deduction is just probably going to be more advantageous to more people. Now, it's still a good idea to continue tracking your deductible expenses so that you can make the comparison. However, there are many fewer deductions now as well, and I'm going to tell you more about that in a moment. Okay, the third way that tax reform is likely to change your personal finances is that the personal and dependent tax exemptions are eliminated. So this is another term that you hear a lot about, the personal exemption. Well, now it is gone. It has been eliminated completely under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. But let me give you a quick explainer, at least so you know what I'm talking about. The personal and dependent exemption was simply an amount that you got to deduct from your income for yourself and every dependent that you claimed on your tax return. It was kind of another deduction just for being alive, in addition to your standard or your itemized deductions. Prior to 2018, the exemption reduced your taxable income by $4,050 per person, up to certain income limits. But you probably won't miss that now since there's a much higher standard deduction. The fourth way that tax reform will change your personal finances is home ownership benefits are reduced. So I mentioned that for many people, taking the standard deduction instead of itemizing may be more attractive because it will be larger starting this year. Plus, many itemized deductions are getting reduced or eliminated. The home mortgage interest deduction is one of the most popular itemized deductions because it can be pretty big and therefore cut your taxes significantly. So if you're a homeowner or you want to be a homeowner someday, you might be glad to hear that the mortgage interest deduction isn't going away. However, it has been reduced for new loans. So here's what's happening. The interest on a new mortgage is now limited to the interest paid on a maximum of $750,000 or half of that amount if you're married and file taxes separately. That's down from a million. It used to be a million as a couple or 500,000 if you were filing separately. So the mortgage interest deduction is still alive, but it's just a little less rich than it used to be. And another huge change is that interest on a home equity loan or a home equity line of credit known as a HELOC, those are gone. That is no longer deductible. You used to have up to $100,000 of interest paid on home-related debt that was deductible for a home equity loan or a HELOC. But now you cannot deduct any interest related to a home equity loan or a HELOC. So that's not a reason that would keep me from getting a home equity loan or line of credit if I needed it or thought it was beneficial, but it just makes it less rich than it used to be from a tax perspective. Another big homeownership benefit that's been scaled back is the exclusion of gain from the sale of a principal residence. Here's the deal. This regulation allows you to skip paying taxes on a really big chunk of money that you make when you sell your primary residence. The major requirement to be eligible for this tax break is how long you lived in the home. It used to be that you had to live in the home a minimum of two of the previous five years 
before you sold the home to qualify for this big uh, exclusion in capital gains taxation. Now you've got to live in the home for a longer period to qualify. You've got to live there at least five of the previous eight years in order to qualify for that benefit. So be sure that if you're counting on that capital gains exclusion, that you have been there a full five years prior to selling the home. In addition, this benefit gets phased out or reduced when you earn more than $250,000 or $500,000 when filing a joint tax return. High earners and those who own higher-priced homes are definitely affected by these tax changes the most. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey there. I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses, and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to tax reform. Here's the fifth way that it will affect your personal finances. State and local tax breaks are limited. Before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you could include an unlimited amount of property tax and state or local income tax as an itemized deduction. There are only seven U.S. states that don't impose a state income tax in addition to federal taxes. Now, you can only claim up to 10000 or half of that if you're married filing separately, for any type of state and local tax. This cap is a huge blow if you live in a high-tax state like California or New York, where your property taxes alone could easily exceed $10,000. Number six, education incentives are modified. Tax reform for education incentives is kind of a mixed bag because some stay the same, some improve, and others are reduced. But overall, there isn't much to complain about, and I'll give you the highlights here. One new benefit is that 529 college savings plans can now be used for elementary or secondary school expenses in addition to the costs of higher education. So starting in 2018, up to $10,000 of your 529 funds can be used for tuition at any public or private school per student. This expanded use of 529 funds is meant to replace Coverdell savings accounts after 2017. You don't hear a lot about Coverdell savings accounts. They kind of 
have been phased out. The amount you could contribute has been reduced over time. And now they're no longer an option. So if you have a covered L, you can spend the funds, but you can't make new contributions to a covered L. But what you can do is roll over a covered L to a 529 plan if you want to consolidate your education savings. There were rumblings that the student loan interest deduction would disappear with tax reform, but fortunately, that did not happen. You can still claim up to $2,500 per year of interest paid on student loans if you don't exceed annual income limits. The seventh and final point about tax reform that we'll cover is that the health care mandate penalty is eliminated. Healthcare got thrown into the tax bag because the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, charged a tax penalty if you didn't have coverage for more than 60 consecutive days. Interestingly, the new tax law doesn't repeal the Obamacare mandate, but it does reduce the penalty to zero starting in 2019. So you could owe a penalty if you did not have health care coverage in 2017 or 2018. This change is a bit confusing because it means that you're really supposed to have health insurance, but if you don't, the administration is going to look the other way after 2019. You might consider that a win if you plan to skip health insurance, which I don't recommend because medical debt is a leading cause of bankruptcy. Problem is, health premiums are predicted to rise by about 10% due to fewer healthy people buying coverage once the tax penalty is lifted. If health insurers pay out more in claims than they make in premiums, they're forced to raise rates for all policyholders, or they can decide not to do business in certain cities, counties, or states, which gives people fewer options. Another medical issue that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changes is the threshold for itemizing medical deductions. Previously, you could claim a deduction for medical expenses that exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. But starting in 2019, under tax reform, those expenses have to exceed 10% of your income in order to be deductible. So that cuts your allowable deduction. I mentioned that for many people, taking the standard deduction may be more attractive because it will be higher starting this year. Another reason is that many itemized deductions have been eliminated. Here are a few expenses that are no longer allowable tax deductions. So you can no longer claim a deduction for employee business expenses. You can't claim for tax preparation fees or for personal casualty and theft losses, except when those losses are in federally declared disaster areas. You can no longer claim a deduction for alimony payments starting in 2019, and you can't deduct moving expenses from income except if you're in the military. I'll end on a good note by telling you about some deductions that you might be glad to know have not changed substantially or not changed at all. So the deductions are still available for making a contribution to a health savings account, making a contribution to a 401k retirement plan, making a contribution to a traditional IRA, and making charitable donations. So none of that has changed. I want everybody to understand that retirement accounts are still as beneficial as they were before, so keep on maxing them out. 
The tax reform changes that I've mentioned in this episode are not a complete list, but they're the ones that I think are likely to have the biggest effect on your wallet and your personal finances. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is effective through the end of 2025. So who knows, in eight years, we'll probably see another tax overhaul. But for now, it's wise to consult with a tax professional to make the most of your situation. A tax accountant or CPA can help you complete your W-4 correctly and make sure that your payroll withholding or your estimated payments, if you're self-employed, won't leave you with a surprise tax bill down the road. Thanks so much for downloading the show and being a part of this community. Keep listening, learning, and leveraging your resources to grow richer every single day. And remember, if you're overwhelmed by debt, you feel scared, or just confused about which debts to tackle in what order, I have a fantastic new resource you need to check out. I'm super excited about my new course, Get Out of Debt Fast, a proven plan to stay debt-free forever. If you have a resolution, goal, or intention to get a handle on your debt this year, I really want to help you. And there's no time like the present to jumpstart your financial new year and get your life back on track. You won't get different results with your money if you don't take different actions. So take control of your finances by joining my super affordable class. You will come away with a clear debt reduction plan to eliminate credit cards, student loans, medical bills, mortgages, or any debt you owe even if you don't have extra money to pay them off faster. To learn more and get 85% off the price of the course for a limited time, send me a text message. Text debt course D-E-B-T-C-O-U-R-S-E with no space to the number 33444. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. This is Lisa Rowan from ThePennyHoarder.com, and I'm here with today's money hack. According to our friends over at Bankrate, more than 44 million American adults have a side gig. And surprise, surprise, a majority of those people are millennials. Want to try moonlighting in 2018? Earnest, which offers personalized loans, combed its data of tens of thousands of loan applicants and found the most profitable side gigs. The top five side gigs include Airbnb, TaskRabbit, Lyft, Uber, and DoorDash. The average monthly income for Airbnb hosts is $924, making it the highest earning side gig. You're paid through PayPal about a day after your guests check in. And you don't have to rent out your entire home. You can list spare bedrooms, vacation homes, garage apartments, and even campers. TaskRabbit is an online marketplace that matches freelancers to local demand. TaskRabbit members make, on average, $380 a month. You set your own rate and choose your task areas. Examples of services include cleaning, delivery, moving, and furniture assembly, which is the one I would definitely ask for help with. Love taking trips in the car? Get paid to drive people around in your own car with Lyft or Uber. Both jobs can bring in a little over $300 each month on the side. Finally, DoorDash is an on-demand food delivery service that's located in more than 300 cities. The average Dasher makes $229 a month. You're paid per delivery and keep 100% of the tips. Talk about inspiring. Go forth, side hustlers. 
For more ways to earn extra cash this year, visit thepennyhoarder.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.